We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, there we are, and a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. That guy over there, sight for sore eyes, that's Brian Driscoll. He's the publisher at irishbreakdown. What? I bathed in everything today. I think I look pretty good right now. I'm just saying. I I am happy to see you, and I know that the good people at Irish Breakdown are happy to see you as well, so... That is what I'm getting at. It. We had a two-day hiatus because you were on your way back from Virginia. I hope you enjoyed yourself. But uh, you are back, and you're better than ever, and I'm excited <laughs> about it. I told you, no bonuses this month. You can keep throwing <laughs> out those nice things. There's no bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, it, this, is, uh, this is a huge week because mm-hmm. it, it's rivalry week, man. I mean, there's no, there's no other team on the schedule this season that you could even say is a rival of Notre Dame. You know, we don't have to have the argument about – I mean, th- there's some people that might argue Purdue <clears> – <throat> But they don't, play, though. they don't play anybody other than the only team right. you could argue that's a rival to USC is Navy, and it's not. It's not. That's it's, not a rivalry. In order that's to a be tradition. a rival, you have to play all the time. Right. That, that's it's that's not a rivalry, um, right. and that's an easy argument to win. So uh, this is rivalry week for Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame. It's USC. We didn't get this game last year because of all the nonsense that went down. You know, that one hurt, to be perfectly honest with you, because I love playing USC. And obviously, lately, I love whooping up on USC. And it's, <laughs> it's a good feeling for me. Uh, and so I'm excited. I'm excited about this game. I'm excited that Notre Dame missed a trip out to L.A. And they get two consecutive home games against USC, which I'm all about as well. Uh, but this is a big game, Brian. I mean, regardless of the fact that it's a rivalry game, because that makes it big. But this is the kickoff to the second part of the season for Notre Dame. It's, you know, Notre Dame's coming off a bye week. We're going to see if anything that we have been talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. comes to fruition. I mean, there's a lot riding on this game for Notre Dame. There's a lot riding on this game for both teams, in my opinion. Well, that's fair. There's so many intriguing (laughs) storylines for me. You know, number one is obviously Notre Dame related. Is the offense, like you said, is the offense going to make the changes they need to make? The defense is about to get tested. Yeah. In a way that it's only really been tested once this year, and that was Cincinnati. You know, 
Florida State's got some athletes. I don't. I guess I kind of act like almost like that was a preseason game. Just to, just what we've learned because Notre Dame played so out of character in that game. They you know, did. And, and then you look at other things and you say, okay, offense has a chance to get right. They're playing some really weak defenses coming up. Are they just going to improve because they are playing bad teams? Or are they going to improve because they're playing bad teams and they made adjustments and they're not going to just keep doing what they've been doing? Right. Because they could keep doing what they've been doing and they're going to have greater success because the defenses aren't very good. But that's going to be, uh, you know, fake improvement. It's like 2019 at the end of 2019. Like, yeah, they played better and did a lot more, but they didn't really do anything different and they, they they didn't change anything they just didn't didn't have to play teams like georgia and michigan anymore right so are we going to see that? that that's a that's a question that i have uh are we going to see the defense now they're going to be tested beyond what they've been tested up to this oh, point absolutely. for the most part you know and and so you know, they've done a good job against to me the two best offenses they played purdue and cincinnati held cincinnati to 24 points i think you could argue the Cincinnati missed six points on field goals, but also was given 10 points on turnovers from the other side of the ball that didn't have anything. So, you know, right. you could plus, you could even say, actually, if you think about it, they, you could take four points away, you know, right. 10 and six. And, you know, so I mean, but still, you played well enough defensively against Cincinnati to win that stinking game. And so, uh, to me, I think that's a big storyline for this weekend. Is is the defense going to come out ready to go? What are we going to see from them? Is it going to be three down a lot? Is it going to be four down a lot? Are they going to, you know, all these different things? How's the health of this football team? You know, Brian sure. Kelly talked today about. It sounds like Chris Tyree may not play in this game. You know, oh, wow. because uh, still dealing with the turf toe thing. So there's just so much at stake. You know, I have my concerns about this game from a Notre Dame standpoint. Not necessarily winning or losing. I don't think USC is very good. But just, okay, could they win and it kind of be like the wins they've had all year? It's like, eh, you're just beating up on bad teams. Right. Or is it going to be like, hey, they're going to come out and they're going to make a statement. You know, like, hey, we're ready to be the team we thought we could be. And then it's obviously huge recruiting weekend. And I'm going to have an article up, uh, I think, later today, maybe tomorrow, where this is a pro. This could be a program-changing recruiting weekend. You know, we have that phrase, gap closers. This is a gap closing weekend. I mean, all borderline gap erasing weekend. When you think about all the recruits on campus, Xavier Nwampa, Anthony Lucas, Hero Canoe, Billy Shrouth, 2023 kids Huge. like Drake, you know, Drake Bowen's supposed to be on campus. I think Sonny Styles is going to be on campus. I think. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of big time 2023 kids going to be on campus. Walker Howard, the quarterback from Louisiana, is, uh, I think Tom Loy reported that he's going to be on campus this weekend. So, there's kids on campus that if you can impress them with your performance on the field, but then also all those other sure. things, you know, your program all of a sudden takes that, you know, personnel wise, maybe takes that final big leap. So right. There's a lot at stake this weekend. Well, we got a super chat that dives right into what you just said, Brian, and it's a perfect time to bring it up from uh, Mark Krismanich. Thank you, Mark, for the super chat. He says, been a while since being on a live show. Love you guys. We love you too, Mark. He says, what percentage would you say a team's performance impacts a recruit's overall weekend visit evaluation? And I think this varies recruit to recruit, right? I mean, you've mm -hmm. got stories on both sides, I think, yeah. that you could use in your argument for this. I think where the performance impacts a recruit's overall weekend visit evaluation is not so much the win or the loss. I mean, you know, you could use the anomaly of the, you know, Michael Floyd visiting during the 2007 season, Manti Teo visiting in 28, 2008 right. in, in a season. And, you know, he visits for the Syracuse game where they lose to a two and eight, nine team who just fired their coach and 
all the different things. And well, he's still signing their name, but there's also been a lot right. of kids who came on weekends like that. I think of the 2011 USC game. I mean, I think of all the kids that are on campus that weekend. Zach Banner, Josh Garnett. I mean, it's a huge West Coast weekend. Notre Dame lays an egg, gets whooped by USC, and most of those kids don't end up with Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, Deontay Greenbear is on campus that weekend. Tisha, I mean, there was just a long list of big time players out in the West, and they they didn't get most of those guys. Did the did that loss? Was that loss the reason? No, because a lot of those kids didn't up end up at USC. Zach Banner with the right. To Zach Banner went to USC, but Josh Garnett went to Stanford, and but it was like a, it was just kind of like the, the it didn't the help. Atmosphere, yeah, the atmosphere yeah. is kind of. It wasn't a great game. They were behind almost the whole game. I mean, USC took that first drive right down the field and scored. You had that, you know, that that fourth down play where he pump fakes. I think Darius Fleming and and you know ends up converting it, and then you had the Carlo Calabrese penalty that sets up a score. And then Notre Dame was just never never really in it. They kind of got back close. You know, George Atkinson. Uh, had the, the touchdown kick return that got him back. You had Dane Chris as the offense is 24-17. You're, you're knocking on the door, potentially tying. Dane Chris had replaced Tommy Reese, who had gotten hurt, and fumble, they returned it, and it's ball game. This wasn't a great atmosphere, even though that was the day they, you know, that was the the first game of the gold helmets that we see now. Remember, that was the debut was of okay. the gold helmets. Yeah. This was after a bye. Yeah. You know, and and I think that kind of eh, you know tamped yeah. down things a little bit because Notre Dame had kind of won some games, and but but I think w- the bigger factor wasn't necessarily that they lost that game, but that game was just their second loss of the season, and they ended up losing like three more and went eight and five. So I I think it's more about the environment. I mean, if you're at a place and and you're looking at it and you're a pretty level headed kid and all that, and there's 80,000 Notre Dame fans and they're just going nuts for 60 minutes of game right. time, you know, three hours or whatever. That's going to matter to you. I remember talking to Stefan Tuitt when he visited for the Michigan game in, in 2010. You know, that was a game that Notre Dame lost, but the environment was great. And, you know, I remember how moved he was when, like, you know, he rode the the wave, the crowd, you know, the student, he was the student section kind of put him up and they did like the push-ups with him. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. That the environment impacted him more so than the final score. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where it can have a, a big impact. Most of these kids are pretty, especially kids like Xavier Nwang, Pan Anthony Lucas and, and guys like that, that they're pretty we're pretty smart, savvy kids. They're not going to be emotionally turned on to a team because they happen to be like, let's say Xavier was at the Purdue Iowa game last week and he comes to Notre Dame and Notre Dame beats USC by 30. That's not going to be the reason he decides to pick Notre Dame. Right. Will it be something that factors into his overall feel coming out of the visit? Yes. Sure. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's, that's kind of where I look at it is. And it's all of it, right? I mean, it's, it's the player walk. It's, you know, everything that goes along with the game day, of course, Mm -hmm. a win. Oh, you, you want to win. Look, if you're the recruiting coordinator, you want to win. I mean, that, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a given, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, everything it's the presentations and, and, and if they're official visits it's the visits with the professors and it's you know it's all of right. those things and they're all wrapped around the game I mean right. it's important but it's not the be-all end-all right but I, I do think the energy level like we have a comment yeah. down here that, that's from Drew that says uh, Notre Dame Stadium's atmosphere is lacking and I think Kenny Moore has a a, a great response which is night games are different they are game. they are and, different. and here's the thing Notre Dame's crowd is not what other crowds are. I'm sorry. You all can get mad at me if you want, but I think most of us, we deep down, we know that that's true. That is not the case in big games. 
big night games especially. When Notre Dame plays a big-time opponent at night, at home, it gets loud. It does. We've been at some USC games, Vince, recently where it was rocking. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally. So I remember 2015, you know, we were on the opposite side because the press box was on the other side. You had an open roof. My wife was actually up there videoing the game before they stopped allowing us to do that. And I remember <laughs> going up there and I had gone up there kind of in between the first series. USC had taken that first drive right down the field, if you remember, uh, and scored a touchdown. And this is the 2015 game. And I was up on the top when Deshaun Kaiser hit Will Fuller with on that post route on the first play of the oh, next series. That and that awesome. place erupted. Yep. Yep. I mean, it, it was, was him versus their best corner. Loud. I mean, it right. was. But it was nuts. Yeah, it was awesome. Nuts. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, to me, that's kind of the way I look at it. You know, I think that I think it'll be a loud environment. I hope it is. But I also think there's a lot of frustration right now um, and with the program. And hopefully this weekend it doesn't kind of manifest and show itself on on uh, on game day. Hopefully the fans are put all that aside and when game day comes, be loud and be excited. And all Absolutely. Kind of yep. We got one more super chat before we dive into all of our uh, matchups and keys and fun stuff like that. John A1. Says happy Thursday, IB. Big weekend for the offense to step up. But in my opinion, the defense has what we hoped preseason to win the next six. Notre Dame 34, USC 20. Go Irish. Thanks for that, John. Appreciate it, John. Thank you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Brian. So the the you know again, this game is huge, but let's break mm-hmm. it down a little bit. This is the first opportunity you've had to really talk about the USC game because yeah. Sean and I did the two stacking up shows, and I'm really interested to hear what you have to say specifically in this uh, this topic. We're going to talk matchups, and we're going to go offense first. We're going to talk offensive matchups for Notre Dame. Uh, versus USC's defense that you're looking mm-hmm. at that could decide the difference in this game. 
Well, to me, you know, first of all, Sean's daughter goes to USC, so I had to let him. I had I to let him, and he, and you guys do a great job together. So it was good for me. I was able to get caught up on stuff, and you guys did a great job. But, man, I've been chomping at the bit trying to talk about this matchup. Yeah. For me, there's several matchups, and let's start with the offense, Vince. And for me, the first matchup that I look at that matters most, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach here. It's Tommy Reese versus Todd Orlando. Ooh, I mean, that's the big matchup for me because – Todd Orlando is going to do some things to try to give Notre Dame problems. There are some schematics. Here's the thing. Notre Dame is not, to me, so much better than USC that they can just line up and just run their normal stuff and just have success. They don't have – I mean, the receivers are very good. There's no Will Fuller. There's no Michael Floyd. The, the, the offensive line should be much better than it is, but it's not the 2017 offensive line. Right. right? And, and so, to me, you have to you have to put your players in position to be successful, and then they are good enough to dominate, Right. And that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at. So Tommy Reese is going to have to do a better job than he has in regards to identifying a few things. Okay, finally, stop trying to be who you think you want to be and be who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, use your formations and motions and stuff properly. My fear is that they're going to watch the Oregon State game. And Oregon State did a lot of 12 personnel and just ran it down USC's throat. Right. Well, Oregon State's a running team. They're, they have success running the football. You are not. And my fear is that they're still living in this who we want to be thing and that he's going to watch that game and be like, hey, Oregon State did it. We can do it. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, you know, yep. Oregon State's a lot better. I mean, Oregon State's rushing for over 240 yards a game this year. You know, they've gone over 250 yards three times. Or I mean, they went for 77 against Purdue. And then since then, they've gone for 256, 248, 322, 242, and 309. Right? So uh, you're not Oregon State. I mean, it makes yeah. me want to barf to say that, like that Notre Dame shouldn't expect themselves to be able to run the ball like Oregon State. That I want to throw up, but it's true. I mean, we're all fired up about man. They ran for 180 against Virginia Tech. <laughs> you know, um, so stop hey, trying take to those be, wins where you can get them, man. <laughs> stop trying to be that, right? <laughs> yeah, and, right. And so, is he going to say, okay, yeah, we're going to do it this way. We're going to adjust. We're going to adapt. This is who we wanted to be, but we're not that team. We're going to do this thing over here. I'm not going to put Michael Carmody on the field for 30 snaps a game. I, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure that we're getting our, our backs and our slots and our receivers and those guys in the field. I, I want to see that because if he does that and then he uses things that I, I think we need to see, like we've got a comment down here from, from Nick that I just, that I thought was great. Uh, you know, I, I love that. But one of the things that Chip Long has did, because Notre Dame's offense whooped USC at, for the most part, in the two matchups that they had at home under Chip Long. And and then in uh, 2018, it was the same way. He did a lot of things against USC where he used their lack of discipline against them. He used their aggressiveness against them. I think of the post route to EQ in 2017. Uh, I think of uh, the reverse to Kevin Stefferson in 2017 that got that offense kind of sparked. And then that opened up some things. I think of sure. the reverse to Braden Lindsay in 2019, you know, things like that, where you kind of use some USC, of those. Against USC. Right. Like that. right. Well, I'm, I'm only talking about USC. I know, but it's just 2018, like. You know, there where, it is. where USC came out with that game plan to stop Notre Dame's run game where the guards would pull and he would just, they, I mean, if the, any movement from the offensive line, the USC linebackers <laughs> flying downhill. So he runs a buck sweep to the right, sends Dexter Williams to the left with no line blocking. Literally, the offensive line was a decoy for yes. Dexter Williams running the ball. Think about that. In the last two matchups, Notre Dame has had two 50-plus yard touchdown runs against USC 
where the offensive line was a decoy. They didn't have to block a soul for that play to work. Think about that. And then you think about how they're executing the offense this season. But that's how undisciplined USC's defense was then, and they're even more undisciplined right. this year. In and my you have opinion. to take advantage of that. And yes. you don't take advantage of that by just lining up and running in your inside zone. You take advantage of that of messing with their eye discipline. Absolutely. So this is an opportunity for Tommy Reese to really show me something. And 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 I'm and I'm, you know, come on, Tommy, do it. Uh we're going to find out what kind of creativity he has, what kind of outside-the-box thinking he has. You know, every coach has their flaws, and Chip Long had his flaws. But the one thing Chip was really good at is he was really good at at scheming for big plays. You know, and and just think of all the big games. You know, you think of the throwback touchdown pass to, to Alizé Mack against Stanford. You know, uh, thinking of the, the USC games, we talked about several in those opportunities. He was able to kind of say, hey, look, we're going to do some things to get – a matchup that we like and, and yeah. to do a use a, a rollout right to throw back and all those type of things to create a big play. And I think of the the even something simple like the swing route to Tony Jones that went for a big play in 2018. You knew they were gonna blitz. So you just if you know they're gonna blitz, you have two options, right? One is I'm gonna max protect to protect against it, or Chip just said, Okay, fine, you want to blitz, we're just gonna put everybody out because right you know guys yeah. cover everybody. And hits Tony Jones on a at the line of scrimmage and he turns it into a I mean, if Tony Jones can do that, what could Calvin Williams do? Right. Right? Or even Logan Diggs, for that matter. Right. So this is a tremendous, tremendous opportunity for Tommy Reese to to really put his DNA on this offense. And right now, it's still a Brian Kelly offense. No matter what anybody tells me, it's still very much a Brian Kelly-looking offense. I want to see Tommy Reese's DNA get put on this thing a little bit more. Yeah. And I think this is an opportunity this weekend for him to do that. Yeah. No no doubt. I, I, I can't say I disagree with you on that one. Um. You want to go through a couple more of yours, or do you want to go back and forth? How do you want we to do go, that? I was thinking we kind of go back and forth, but I can okay. go through my – hey, buddy, you're you're the host, man. We'll do whatever you want to do. <laughs> oh, the power. Uh, I got a we- <laughs> – I've got a weird one uh, for, for my for my first one. Um, I I actually – I wrote down – I wrote this down. I put, I put Cone versus his offensive line. I'm sorry, I, I let you have the show for a couple days. Uh, <laughs> and now you feel like you got all the power. <laughs> sorry, let's get back on. It's all good, that man. struck me as really funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. No, I wrote down Cone versus his offensive line. And I know oh, okay. I know that I know that that's okay. not like a, a head-to-head. No, I want to hear this one. This sounds really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but it to me, this is an opportunity for Jack Cone to be successful. This is an opportunity for him to uh, for for his attributes to be highlighted, right? And if he can stay upright, if he can have even a little bit of time, he is going to pick apart this USC defense because they are so undisciplined with their eyes, with their drops, all of the above. And I think that this just feeds right into what Jack Cohn is good at mm-hmm. if he gets the time to do it, right? Right, And that's all on the guys up front for him. Now, Jack Cohn can't step into sacks and he can't do some of the things that he's done. I totally agree with that, but that kind of falls into what mm-hmm. I'm talking about in that he needs to understand what his line is doing so that he doesn't do those things. So it's kind of him versus them. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to know what you guys are doing so that I'm doing my thing and then I can make us successful. Um, it, th- this is a big deal for me. I, I really, I like Jack Cohn a lot. 
And my confidence has waned a little bit at times. Sure, but I, I feel mean, like how can it not right. But I feel like this game right here can make me a believer again. And I, I think that this plays right into his hand if he gets the help that he needs. Because look, there's going to be guys open against this team. There's going to be guys open. He's going to be able to find them if he has the opportunity to do so. So I wasn't going to talk about this because it didn't really fit in any of the categories. But since you brought it up, to me, this is a make or break game for Jack Cohen. I agree. This is a game where it's like if and for Tommy Reese, if we're being honest, if we just see more of the same, same offense, same like what Notre Dame has done this year offensively, which is so infuriating, is essentially repeating the same basic stuff over and over again and hoping it'll change. And now a couple times early in games, they've come out with a really intriguing script that's kind of put them in some situations where they put some nice drives. I mean, the best drive they had all game against Cincinnati was the first one. When it ended in an interception. Jack had those interceptions, but like schematically. It was a great drive. drive. Yeah. And then, of course, once they get off the script, it's like kind of back to same old, same old, right? If in this game we see a a change in scheme that puts Jack in position to say, look, we're going to build around you. Well, then he's got to go out and execute, right? And, and my biggest fear is that hes they're going to do that early. The script's going to look great. They're going to come out and score early. And then they take him out, put Tyler in, and how does what does that do to the, yeah, rhythm of the offense? I really hope that's not the but case. But it's going to happen. I mean, this is, to me, I think it, it will. But the point is, if Tommy does that, now it's up to Jack to say, look, you're going to get hit sometimes. Yeah. It's just fine. T- right. It is what it is. You're going to get sacked probably once or twice. You know, I mean, it, it happens. But don't start looking for the pressure. You know, stay poised. Keep your eyes downfield. Get the ball out quickly. Be like you were in the beginning of the year against Toledo and Florida State when you were willing to take some shots to get rid of the ball, which he did. He got hit a couple times. I mean, the early in the game, they had that wheel, a great wheel route throw to, to Michael Mayer against Toledo. It was a lo- little bit of a lo- slow, like longer developing play, slower developing play because it was a wheel by the tight end. He knew he was going to get hit. He let it go and got drilled and face planted, but bam, 28-yard gain. He's got to play with poise because if we see more of the same from Tommy Reese and him, at that point in time, it's like, okay, look, you guys clearly aren't going to fix this thing, so just put in one of the younger guys because right. this is this is maddening. Yeah, he, agreed. He's going to have this game where Jack's going to say, look, there's a reason why they're believing in me. you got to reward them for their confidence in him. And a lot of people are afraid, oh, you know, you bench him, blah, 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 blah. Okay, whatever, but – if you keep doing what you've been doing, then eventually those those calls are going to get louder and louder and louder, and it's going to make less and less sense why they keep him at quarterback. This is an opportunity for him to say, this is why I'm a quarterback. It's not just the two-minute drill, and yes, I played great against Florida State and had my moments against Purdue, but this is what this team is capable of. Because if they can build around what Jack Cohn does, and he can then play well, execute and play well, this offense is going to explode in the final yes. six games. Because, I agree. Because, number one, they're, they're too talented not to. Number two, they're playing a lot of bad defenses. A lot of them. A lot of them. And it, and it well, you know, there's still going to be the detractors. Yeah, there's going to there's yeah, there's still going to be the detractors that say, oh well, you know, Jack Cohn's not that good. They're playing against bad defenses. Blah 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 yeah, blah blah. The, the, that won't be the majority of fans, and it definitely won't be the ones here. In no, this channel. it won't be. And, and, but, and yeah, I think the people that are against Jack Cohn in this chat, for the most part, there's a couple people that just like to be mad. But I think most of the people that are frustrated with Jack Cohn in this chat and on the message board are people that are frustrated by the lack of ability to put consistent drives together. Yeah. It's understandable. I get it. I, I right. get it. I just don't think that I think that sometimes the issue we, we make, the mistake we make when we look at backup quarterbacks is we we look at well, he came in in these two drives and then we kind of 
gloss over the fact that, well, they also had a lot of bad drives. Like there's the people right. that are pro Tyler Buckner, and, and I get it because he's incredibly talented. They will focus only on the second quarter right. and ignore the, the second half. Could you yeah, imagine right. the reaction from fans if Jack Cohn in a, an ent- almost an entire second half went one of six for with two interceptions? Like, one for a touchdown? Like, you know, I mean, to the other team? Yeah. 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 You know, so – so I get, I get it, but if Jack plays well, ninety nine percent of the people in this forum and 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 on our message board, because I think we do have very thoughtful, educated fans. That's why they like our channel because they want to think about football beyond just the emotional fan reaction. We'll say, great, this is why you brought him here. Because I think a lot of people were excited about him before the season. Yeah, and especially after Florida State, I mean, there there wasn't anybody really outside of a couple guys. Okay, that just it doesn't matter what they do, they're just gonna always be angry. Sure. People were fired up about Jack Cohn after the first game. Yeah, so was I. Uh so so I get it. But that's that's my my second yeah. one, Vince. This is a big game for the outside receivers of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. USC actually has talented corners. Isaac Taylor Stewart is long and talented. He's the exact type of player that has given Kevin Austin problems. He's long, he's athletic, and he likes to press. And that's been like kryptonite to Kevin Austin so far this year. Same with Braden Lindsay. Chris Steele is a very talented player. They've been really inconsistent. I know you guys talked about it in the show. Was it uh, Tuesday? Yeah. This is a talented USC secondary, secondary, but a very inconsistent USC secondary. Is the off? Is the are the outside receivers going to be? Are going? Are they going to play sharp, sound football? If they are an aggressive football and and be physically tough and mentally tough against the USC press, then I think because USC likes the press, and if they've watched any Notre Dame film this year, they're going to be like, "Yeah, those guys don't like being pressed." Yeah, they're going to press. So this is an opportunity for Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay to say, "Okay, yeah, I know I've had some issues with that in the past, but we we've made our adjustments, right?" Because adjustments aren't just about coaches. Kevin Austin has to. He, you're a senior in college. Right, you got to be able to look and say, "Hey, I, I, clearly, I mean, if your coach isn't teaching you to do it, you got to be able to say, well, okay, I can either just keep not doing it, or I can right. figure something out, right, right, and work on some things." So that's what you do is what 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 I had players do, what I did as a player when I was a freshman because I started at receiver as a true freshman and I'd never played it before, and so I was pretty athletic, and so there would be things where, like in practice, I mean. I'm going against the corners and they're, they're jamming me up. So what we would do after practice, we would get together and say, Hey man, let's work on this. What moves could I do on you? That would help you know, that would give you problems. Right. And that's what we would do. And that's how I got better as a player. Cause I've never been taught how to get off a of press. So you got there and put in the work, right? Well, that's what Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsay need to do. Hey, you're getting your, why are you getting destroyed in these two games against Cincinnati and Purdue? Okay. It's cause I'm not, you know, and I think to a degree they're doing that. We saw him have that great press release against Virginia tech. They got him free for a 46-yard gain. So if they put in the work, I think they could have big games because they can beat these guys. But they're going to have to be on top of their game. And so to me, that's a matchup that I'm I'm going to be watching early and often because Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay are capable of having those big chunk plays that could really help this offense in this game. Yeah, I like that one. I I my my pushback would be I don't think USC is very good at press. I, I don't they're not and again i, I agree with you but i don't think you need to be great at it well, it's this and that was going to be the next thing that i was going to say right. like as they're watching film to be good at that because if right. you have good press release moves because so for example 
you know, when you talk about, well, they're not good at it. Well, I could point to some games against like Stanford, for example, who has those bigger receivers that, that, that the USC corners I thought did a pretty good job of, of the press. There's other times where they, they lose it, you know? So, so to me, it's, it's the, it's the, Receivers that have been good at getting off the line, once you stack them, these guys are not good. They grab, they pass interfere. I right. Mean, they, you know, they right. do all types of dumb things. There's times where I'm watching them against Stanford, and they actually did a great job jamming, and the quarterback threw the ball down the field, and instead of finishing the playoff, they just they get all grabby and get they just keep jamming. Interference. Like they keep – yeah, exactly. Right, but the way that Notre Dame has been, they don't really take those shots. Once a guy gets jammed, it's kind of like – They're eh. done. Yeah. You know, so so if work. they can get if they can win at the line, this is my whole point. If they can win at the line, they can do damage in this game. That's yeah, where those chunk plays come from, and that's where I'm coming from. Because cool, these guys are talented, but they're they're not. They don't play like they're to their talent right. level. No, and, I got that's you. Exactly what we've said about the Notre Dame receivers. I mean, if you're not, if you don't know Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay like you and I do, and you watched two full games of him of them, Purdue and Cincinnati. Would you come away thinking that those guys were any good? Right. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, I hear you. All right, my second one, and th- this is where I decided to take the layup, uh, but it's 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 Alton Lug versus Jackson and Foreman. Uh, their mm-hmm. their ends versus Notre Dame's tackles. Uh, scratch off my third one. <laughs> I mean, look, I know it's a layup. I know it's obvious. I get it, but it's still really important mm-hmm. to this game. Because it, it falls back into what I was talking about before, where I think Cone can have a very good game here, but he needs to be upright. And if those guys can't keep the ends out of the backfield, then it doesn't matter. Um, and so, I mean, it's it's a huge matchup. And I don't, and I think it's a one that Notre Dame can win because mm-hmm. I haven't really been super impressed with USC's front, as Sean said yesterday or, or maybe two days ago. They're they're lighting the pants. They're not going to over power you right and i think that lug and alt can do a good job with their strength uh but they have to be careful of some of those athletic spin moves etc and and i think that joe alt's gotten better at that as he's Mm -hmm. had an opportunity to play um but that's what they're gonna beat him on that early by virginia tech but they 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 the next couple times they tried to beat him on it he was prepared for exactly because when you're a freshman that sometimes hey look i've never seen a six foot six 245 pound kid do that move on me right because Notre Dame players don't really do that move a whole lot right totally agree that was Um, my third one too vince i'm I'm right there with you i mean it's a huge matchup if it goes back to your previous point your number one point if they can give jack cone time right and give Tyler Buckner time. I mean, we saw this against against Virginia Tech. Second quarter, they gave Tyler Buckner time to throw, and he made some gorgeous throws. Right. So if they can give the quarterbacks time, then I think they'll they'll rip this USC defense yep. apart. Really and and my, my final my, my final one, and I'll I'll kind of speed through this just a little bit, but it's it's Notre Dame's running backs versus the linebackers for USC. They they can't tackle, and I love Notre Dame's running backs against teams that are going to try to arm tackle them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think this is a big opportunity for Notre Dame in the run game, and I'll, I'll elaborate on that a little later. Yes, um, because that's actually one of my keys to success. One so of my we'll key- have another well, opportunity. It, it's for, to it's one of my keys as well, so I'll, I'll elaborate later. But I think Notre Dame can have some success with their running backs versus these linebackers mm-hmm. um, in, in various ways. Yeah. Uh, and, again, we'll elaborate on that later. Yeah. 
So d- defense, we'll go defense, Vince, and then we'll get the super chat by Dan Muller before we cool. dive into the keys. Perfect. Uh, defensively, Vince, I mean, I don't. The first one, I'm not going to dive too much into because the first two, actually, for me, okay, I'm not going to spend a whole lot on time on because they're also part of my keys to the game. So I'll elaborate more. And I don't want to get redundant, but my first two are Drake London when he's matched up against Clarence Lewis and Tariq Bracy. That's number and one. Then, Check. And then the Notre Dame, Notre Dame's linebackers against the USC running backs who are used a lot in the pass game and they do a lot of things in space, run and pass. Those two matchups are very, very, very important for me. And no, we did not talk about this beforehand. But I'm getting out my pen because I have Scr- to mark off. I- scratching off one and two. Yeah, the yeah. first one was London versus Bracy and Lewis. And then my third one, I actually had uh, Keaton Slovis versus the linebackers mm-hmm. uh, because I think that they will look at some film and feel like that they can take advantage of the linebackers mm-hmm. in the pass game. Um, so, but it, it's very similar to what they're you matched said. up against the running backs and at times exactly. tight ends. But so yeah. you, you, it, it's the same one. My third one is you've got two game wreckers up front for Notre Dame: Isaiah Foskey and Jason Adamiola. Yep. You've got two guys that can take over a football game. And you have a quarterback for USC that doesn't handle pressure well. And I mean that like literal pressure, not like pressure of big games, but literal pressure. You need in a game like this against a rival, a statement game, a game where you're playing an an offense that if you don't dominate up front, and we'll get into this in the keys too, you're going to have some problems. You need your dudes to be dudes. Foskey has to dominate the tackles. Jason has to dominate the guards. And at times the tackles, because he will be yeah. in some three-man fronts where he will yep. be lined up on the tackle. So to me, Foskey and Adam Yola against the USC linemen, whoever they're matched up on, is a must-win for Notre Dame. And I think it's a matchup they should win, can win. And if they do, USC's going to have a hard time moving the football. And we'll, uh, There's a lot of carryover between my keys and my matchups, so we won't spend a lot of time on those. We'll talk more about them when we get into the keys of the game. Yep. Before and, we and, move on to the keys of the game, Vince, oh, yeah. you want to handle the Super Chat real quick? We got yeah, a couple we, of them here real fast. We do have a couple of them. Here we go from Dan Muller. You got that one? Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, thank you, Dan, by the way. He says, if Notre Dame and Cincinnati win out and Notre Dame looks good, do you think Notre Dame will make the playoffs given the fact that they have the best loss of all the other teams? The committee hasn't been adamant for years that you're not going to get brownie points for having the best loss. They care about who you've beat. The thing that's going to hurt Notre Dame at the end of the day is not that, hey, we lost it by 11 at home to the best number two team in the country, for example. Let's just say because Georgia wins out, for example. They're not going to care. It's going to be, well, who did you beat? Did you play another team like that? How did you do? What Notre Dame needs to happen for the remaining season is not for Cincinnati to win out. That's not really relevant. They need a bunch of other teams to lose. They need chaos. They need the Big Ten to just sort of eat each other up. They need... Ohio State to lose again. They need Penn State to lose again, and they need Michigan and Michigan State to. I mean, they they just need them to just like you all beat each other up. Because here's the thing: there's two one loss teams left. Well, three one loss teams left in the Big Ten, and two undefeated teams left in the Big Ten. The, both Michigan schools are still undefeated. Penn State, Ohio State, and Iowa all have one loss. Well, they're all going to have to play each other at some point. Now, Iowa doesn't play any of them in the regular season, but if Iowa wins out, they're going to have to play one of them in the Big Ten championship. None of those four teams have played each other yet. So it, only one of them can remain un, undefeated. Right. Notre Dame needs none of them to remain undefeated. They need Oregon to lose again. Uh, they need uh, Wake Forest to lose again, right? Or lose once. If Wake Forest is, loses a game, the ACC's done. The only chance the ACC has is getting a playoff team is if Wake Forest runs the table because they're still undefeated. 
So they need that. They need a lot of that to happen. They need Alabama to lose again. So, I mean, if you're a Notre Dame fan and you are, are, I want them to make the playoff, you got to hope Georgia runs the table and beats Alabama. Yep. Because one lost Alabama and one lost Georgia, they're both getting in. Yep. And Notre Dame's not. Crazy season. And Notre Notre Dame's not not. in that situation. So, to me, and, and root against, I think if anything, you need to root against Cincinnati to lose twice. That's what you need. Because the one loss Cincinnati team's probably getting in and over and over and over, and should to be honest, because you can't tell me that Notre Dame's wins are going to be that much more impressive than Cincinnati's wins at the end of the year. Because there's no Notre Dame on Notre Dame's schedule like the one Cincinnati has. Sure. Yep, so agreed. you need a lot of a lot of chaos, a lot of chaos. Is it, yeah. it's, but it's possible. It's That's definitely possible. Kind of interesting. We've, but right we've now, seen it's chaos about, all year. Hey, let's go beat USC and show that you're not the same team. Because if Notre Dame just tries to do what they've been doing all year, they're going to lose another game. Right. They're not going to run the table. Absolutely agree. Uh, one more super chat here uh, before we move on to the next thing uh, from Chili. Thanks, Chili. Appreciate it. He says, hey, fellas, we've talked about the importance of nickel coverage against uh, Southern Cal. What about using dime coverage in situations? Please explain those situations where we might need it. Well, I think they I think they kind of already do dime. I mean, we talk about nickel a lot for Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's more of a dime, been more of a dime defense recently. We're seeing the nickel go in the game, but we're also seeing a, a, another safety in the game a lot that we've seen. So, you know, basically in very general terms, nickel is five DBs, dime is six DBs in the game, right? right. I think against USC, you'll see a lot of that. I think there's two instances that you'll see it. Number, well, three really. And the two are obvious, third and longs. And, you know, and, and then the other one would be any kind of late, two-minute half sure. situation. And then the other is, is if Notre Dame jumps out to a big lead. I think what you what you, what you you may see more of that. Now, what you can't do if that happens, and this is what happened to Clark Lee in 2019, is Notre Dame got a big lead, 17-3, and then they, they did a lot of nickel and dime. USC made some adjustments. Well, USC had enough time the whole second half to, to nickel and dime them their way down the field and put scores together. What you can't do is go dime and then lose your aggressiveness. And that's what Coach Lee did in 2019, which allowed it. It was actually 20 to three in the third quarter. USC climbed all the way back to make it 23 20. Notre Dame scored to make it 30 20. USC went down and scored again, make it 30 27. Notre Dame needed a first down on that next drive to put the game away. And it was because he he not only went dime, but he went dime and lost and stopped being aggressive. Right, exactly. So I'm okay going dime. But you better still have an attack. You said, or you know, and, and that's going to be the key for me, Chili. Is yeah, I'm cool going dime. Uh, I don't think we're going to see like the traditional four two five a ton. I think we might see more like three three five at times. But just because you're playing a team like to throw the ball doesn't mean you need to be putting Isaiah Foskey off the ball and dropping him into coverage. That's my biggest concern in this game, right? Because yep. if they are still doing that against yeah. this team. I'm I'm gonna have some serious problems with that. Agreed. Yeah, I completely agree with that. No sense to uh, to elaborate. That would that would trouble me greatly. I have no problem with going three down. None, because mm-hmm. you're gonna see that. But right. if if yeah, and you well, need to see that. I mean, yes, you do. Because like you need to like we'll get into it more when we get the keys of the game. But yeah, you 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 need, you need to see that at times. Is there a time and a place against this team to do that? There's no question. Right. Okay. Keys to the game, Brian. Let's jump right in. Uh, we'll go offense first. Uh, your first key to the game, sir. It's simple, and we've talked about it a lot, so we don't need to rehash it again a ton. you got to win up front. Give Jack Cohn and Tyler Buckler time, be able to run the football. Now, I don't think winning up front requires 13 personnel and a bunch of 12 nope. personnel. 
You can do it out of 20, 21, and 11. But whatever you're in, be physical and be assignment sound. If you're physical and assignment sound, you will be. This is a very mediocre USC front seven outside of two guys that, that you know, one's injured. The other's a true freshman. You know, Drake Jackson's not is not 100 percent. Corey Foreman's a freshman who's been good, but not great. He's not, you know, what Kayvon Thibodeau was as a freshman, for example. But this is this is a very mediocre linebacking core. It's a very mediocre interior defensive line. It, Notre Dame needs to be physical and assignment correct. Do that, and Notre Dame's going to score a lot of points in this game, in my opinion. I, I okay. So to kind of piggyback off of yours, my second one was Code need Cone needs time to be accurate. We kind of talked about that before, um, but I'll go with my next one. I have on here that they need to establish the run. But that does not – hold on a second. That does not mean that they need to go 12 and 13 personnel. That means spread it out, do your thing, but still run the ball because I don't think USC can stop Notre Dame running the ball if they're spread out. I don't think they can do it. They're terrible tackling in space, and I think that is going to help because I think then USC might start devoting more to the box, and I think that's going to benefit Notre Dame as well in their passing game. So I think that they do need to establish the run, but I want to see it done the right way. Yeah. I don't want to see it done with Michael Carmody wearing an eligible number. I don't want to see it with two tight ends, both attached to the line. Mm-hmm. You want to bring two tight ends in, that's fine. Spread one of them out. You know, you can keep one on the line, keep one attached, and put one out at wide receiver. Okay, fine. I can get on board with that. But I do want to, I do want to see them establish the run. Yeah. I do. I don't really care about that. I don't think it's needed in this game. I, I'm fine with it if the run game's just a complement to the pass game. I, I really am. That doesn't even mean I'm okay if they run for 85 yards. They have to run. But when I think of establishing the run, I think of your game plan's built around running the football. And I don't think their game plan, plan needs to be built around running the football. Their game plan needs to be about how can we best get our best players the football and do it in different ways. And establishing the run game means – like I said, you're building around that. And I and I think the run game needs to be a complement of the pass game. Now, if they come out and run the ball well on USC and, and they're going 12 per, – I mean, look, Notre Dame could go 12 personnel in this game and run on USC. This is a bad defense. Yeah. But I don't think it makes you better moving forward. I, I, I just don't. And that's that's my fear is that they're going to get a false sense of, secure, of, of security – that hey, twelve. So you're looking bigger random. picture. You're looking down. I, the road I am, but more. I'm also looking at USC. I don't think you need to do. that. I think you can do that, but I don't think that's necessarily a way to achieve maximum success in this game. I want to come out throwing the ball a lot and then force USC to widen out, then come at them with the hammer. That's what I want to see. So to me, I want to see you establish an efficient perimeter pass attack that's built on all three levels: screens, quicks, intermediates, and then taking shots. I think if you have that success, then that's when the, the stuff inside opens up. And we actually saw that in 2017. That's the interesting thing. Notre Dame ran for 377 yards that game. But people forget what the reason they were so good running the ball is they hit shots early. First touchdown pass of the game, touchdown of the game was a, a Brandon Wimbush hit an EQ on a post route. The second touchdown was a back shoulder throw to Kevin Stefferson, and they had mixed in some reverses in that game, which I don't count as the run game per se. Sure. No, I get that. Um, you know, that's again, that's perimeter. And when they started having success with that, USC was like, what the hell do we do? You know, like we're sitting there thinking we're gonna we're trying to protect against you know Q and McGlinchey and bars, and and these guys are freaking attacking the perimeter. And then all of a sudden, those inside creases. I mean, if you think about how Josh Adams ripped them that game, it was right up the middle. Because, and there was the one play his 80-yard touchdown run where he hands it off and Wimbush takes off to the right. 
the linebacker, the safety on that side, both ran with Brandon Wimbush because they were so afraid of the perimeter. And then all of a sudden, Josh Adams just bam right up the middle behind Alex Bard for an 80 yard touchdown. Because that in that particular game, they somewhat reverse engineered their, their offense. And I think that's what Notre Dame needs to do this year. And I think that's especially what they need to do with Cincinnati, with USC. That to me would be a key to this game. My, my last key, and you can kind of sense a theme here, I guess, uh, but I have that the running backs need to be an important piece. Yeah, right? and that's my second That's my second one. Yeah. But I, I want them involved in the pass game. You know what I mean? I, look, if Ty- Chris Tyree is out, okay. Logan so for Diggs. you, this is a running back game. Yeah. A I, big I, time I, running back game for you. Yes, absolutely. I mean, your and, first and, two keys are running back focused. Yeah, they are. And I, I, it's funny that that's the way it turned out. But like as I was thinking through the game, I want to. I don't want to see the running backs in blocking. You right. know what I mean. I want to see them out. I want to see them involved in the offense. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, whether it's Chris Tyree or Logan Diggs, either one can have success in this game. Right. You can use Logan Diggs the same way that you were going to use Chris Tyree. Like they're not exactly the same guy, but right. Logan Diggs can do what they've been asking yeah. Chris Tyree to do. Which up is to this point. lining up and running between the tackles. And Logan's <laughs> really good at that, and then put Kyron yeah. out in the slot. Yeah, and right. he can and he can catch an arrow route and he can do the things that you need him to yeah. do. So um I my number I, two key Vince was uh, similar. It's attack the linebackers. Yes. That's yeah. mine. Now now obviously the running backs are, are step one to that. Yes, uh, no question. I mean Kyron, if Kyron Williams doesn't have at least five targets in the past game in this game, where it's like it's obvious that he was kind of like part of the initial read, then Tommy Reese isn't doing this this thing right. And I think he will. I think we're going to see that. And I'm watching USC's linebackers and coverage. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, if Notre Dame's able to use their running backs effectively and Avery Davis effectively against the, the, the line and Michael Mayer effectively against their linebackers and safeties, Notre Dame's going to steamroll them. I'm not confident that they will actually build around that completely, but I think there's opportunities for big plays. They have This is a very, very mediocre linebacking core yes like this is not your vintage where you're like man there's some five-star kids but they're just young no these guys are just average Mm -hmm. football players they're not good and and whether it's logan diggs or chris tyree or kyron williams or or whoever else i mean put audrick esim in there and say hey hammer hammer those line because they're not they're not they're not it uh so i want to see them part of the game plan has to be about attacking the linebackers in the box and outside the box find ways to isolate your best for players Love it against their linebackers. And as we've talked about, Kyron Williams is their best skill yeah. player that's not a tight end. Yep. And he needs to be he need the game plan needs to be built around him as him and Lindsay and Mayer and Austin. I mean, all those guys being the big factors in the pass game. My third was make them chase. Mm-hmm. USC is a very undisciplined team. Mm-hmm. When your whole offense is vertically oriented, right? So everybody's kind of going this way, it makes it real easy for an undisciplined team to know what they're going to do. Because, hey, that guy's just running vertically. He's running in, he's running and out. I know who I got. When you start making them cross and do levels with high high lows, even if it's coming from the same side, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, those things are all effective against an undisciplined team. Yep. They make a lot of mistakes. Get them chasing. And we've seen some things, you know, send the running back on a wheel route and bring somebody across. You know, run run your smashes out of different concepts. There There reminds me a lot of the Florida State game. You know, Florida State was a very athlete, you know, not not elite, like not like they used to be, but a pretty athletic defense, but it's not a real smart, disciplined defense. And Notre Dame did a lot of stuff, you know, that smash concept and you know, with the tight end, the running back on a release, and there's different things they did that game that put them exposed Florida State. 
I want to see some of that stuff in this game too. Make them chase. And that's levels, crosses, screens, jets, reverses, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Make them chase because then that other stuff will come. Next time you, you, you know, if you run a reverse for success, the next time you fake a reverse and you're handing off an inside zone to Logan Diggs, that backside linebacker is going to be freaking out about that reverse. And then bam, you're hitting that inside zone right down his throat. Those are the things that to me they have to do. Make USC chase. I love that. I love that because they're, they're, they're going to look silly. I mean, bottom line is if they're chasing, they're going to look silly. And uh, <laughs> I'm all for that. Yeah. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's, let's switch over to defense, Brian. Some, uh, some keys to the game on defense. Well, my number one, Vince, is, is, I mean, it's simple. It's control the line of scrimmage. Okay. Get pressure on Keaton Slovis. Don't let him run the ball. USC is going to try to run the ball in this game. They're going to learn from the mistake they made in 2019. Same coaching, same offensive coaching staff. Graham Harrell came out in that game. It was pass, 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 pass. And Notre Dame ate them up. You know, again, jumped to a 23 lead. Second half, USC came out and they were a lot more balanced. Now, at the end of the game, USC didn't have great rushing numbers. Uh, but if you look at what they did, they, they ended up running for like 171 yards, which isn't like an elite game. But for that offense, it's a lot of yards. Yeah. And a lot of it came in the second half because they're like, fine, you want to go nickel personnel. We're going to just run it. And it created a sense of balance to where then all of a sudden the perimeter stuff started being more effective. Notre Dame has to control the line of scrimmage in this game. They have to shut down the USC run game because I do think they're going to try to come out and be balanced. And so, to me, that's that's what we need to see. Pressure. If you pressure Keaton Slovis, mm-hmm. and if Jackson Dart plays, and USC said, "Well, he's not medically cleared yet." From the rumblings we're hearing, is that it's, I think it's a it's a it's a head fake, is what I think. Mm-hmm. But it, it, whoever's a quarterback, I don't care. Pressure the quarterback. They will make. They will. And when Keaton Slovis makes mistakes, they're big. It's not like an incomplete pass. It's he's throwing it to you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And, right. And somebody, right. Like. I was on a show the other night, and they're like, you know, this this quarterback doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And I'm like, uh, actually, yeah, he kind of does. Because uh, if you look at Keaton Slovis's numbers this year, he's got he's got five picks in six games. Last year, he had seven picks in six games. So in the last, you know, thir- in the last twelve games, he's thrown twelve picks, and he's had a couple fumbles in that time too. He will give you the ball if you pressure him, and they have to do that. Shut down the run, pressure the quarterback, and USC has no chance. I mean, literally, I could just say that's the only key to the game yeah I mean, well i mean that's I gonna get be, lazy yeah. and do that and it would it would be really accurate <laughs> well i i don't know if this is a lazy take or not and i still want notre dame to be aggressive but my first one is just keep everything in front of you just i to, to i i i don't want them to get big played 
I want them to keep everything in front. And then that goes to my next one, which is they have to be able to tackle in space. See, I think I like that one a lot better than the first one because I think keeping everything in front of you is exactly what USC wants you to do. They want you to play off. They want you to they want you to let them nickel and dime them all the way down the field. I think you have to be aggressive. You have to take away the short stuff. But to your point, Vince, you have to be great in space. Yes, no you have question. to be great in space against this USC offense because they they live and die on either teams playing soft, right, which then allows them to just. You know, Graham Harrell will be perfectly fine throwing the ball 60 times a game and averaging five and a half yards in an attempt at, with a 70 plus. Because, comp- again, he that's his run game in a lot of ways. Is that no, absolutely. No question. You have to if, if he catches it at three, he has to be stopped at three. Correct. But you that's have to do that within me. the framework of a more aggressive defense that tries right. to get him to force him the ball downfield. So that's I why want I them to be the, aggressive. Yeah. But yeah, but when it's hard to be aggressive and keep everything in front of you, I think the, the, the take for me would be the second part of what you said, which is you have to be great in space. You have to be great in space. If you're one on one with a running back on a swing route, you can't miss because now a two yard loss turns into a 15 yard gain. If Drake London catches a screen pass, you got to bring him down quick. Yes. Because if he makes the first guy miss, he's going to go. So that to me is be great in space. And and that leads to kind of my second point. My second key was uh, you have to have a Drake London plan. And yep. now, look, Drake's going to catch the ball. Like David mm-hmm. Bell had seven catches against Notre Dame. Right. right. That's a lot of catches. But he didn't do anything. He had 64 yards. Yeah. You have to have a Drake. If you're going to get beat this week, get beat by somebody not named Drake London. If you can beat us, this was if I'm Notre Dame, if you can beat us, Without Drake London make being taking the game over, then good on you, right? And you know I don't care if he catches eight nine balls, but it's got to be for like eight nine ten yards of carry. You got to avoid the game wrecking plays. If he catches it at five, bring him down to five. I don't care because mm-hmm. eventually we're going to be able to like look again. When I say we, I'm looking at it from the defensive coaching standpoint. If you want to hit a five yard game to him, and we're tackling, eventually you're going to miss that throw, or we're going to do something, and, and it's going to be incomplete. Now you're in third and ten. Now you can't throw him a five yard game, so I think it's it's eliminate the big, the big play. You know, uh, that's the big key for me. Yeah, eliminate no, I, the big yeah. plays. Yep. Eliminate Drake making plays after the catch. If you can do that to Drake Bowen, and I don't care if he catches twelve balls, Drake London. I don't care if he tw- t- catches twelve. You see my mind's on recruiting. I said Drake Bowen. Yeah, I don't care if Drake London catches twelve balls, but if it's twelve catches for ninety five yards or hundred one yards, then he's not taking over the game. He's not making exactly. game wrecking plays. That's the yep. key. You can't and let that, him wreck the game. And then, and that's why I wrote down contain London. I didn't yeah. say stop yeah. because you're, you're not going to stop Because that's completely. what they did to David Bell. I mean, right. David Bell had a 31-yard play in that game. But when David Bell caught those screens, he was getting ta- caught tackled line of scrimmage. Right. And exactly. that's to your point. And that goes back to your second point, Vince, which is you got to be great in space. Yep. Corners have to be great. They have to be aggressive. I, to me, that's the number one. Blow up it. lockers yeah. and fly to the ball. If you yep. do that. They're going to be good. My final key, Vince, is the linebackers have to play great. The USC stresses the heck out of your linebackers. Run game, pass game, screens. They really stress your linebackers offensively. JD and Drew White have to be great in this game. Mm-hmm. They have to. And, and if Jack Kaiser and Isaiah Pryor in the game, and I, again, I don't know the structure of what they're going to do. Is it going to be 4 2 with a pure nickel? Is it going to be 3 3 with a nickel, which would then put the Rovers in the game? I don't know what they're going to do. But who, however many t- linebackers are on the field, they have to play great because yeah. USC is going to look at them and say, what is the weakness of this team? There's two, right? Linebackers in the pass game and your cornerback's not named Cam Hart. Correct. And USC is going to go after that. Absolutely. And they are. that's going to be a big key. And so yeah. 
they have to not allow this game to become down to Drake. And that's part of the Drake London plan. If, if you have Clarence Lewis or Tariq Gracie locked up on camp on, on, on Drake London, they need to have a call that, that gives them help. If you're, I mean, if look, Alec Pierce is a good player. He ain't Drake London. And they left him isolated against, they left Clarence isolated against Alec Pierce the whole game and he got dominated. They can't do that against Drake London. Right. Because we'll see a very similar result. Agreed. That game. So those are those are my keys, Vince. I got those one more. Keys. I got one more. Yeah. Um, they need to continue USC's touchdown woes in the red zone. Yeah. Because I think they've been the, great. They have on defense they, in the red zone. They've been excellent, and and USC has been very poor scoring touchdowns in the red zone. I think they're like fifty six percent when they get in there. The rest they kick field goals, but they're not good at getting touchdowns. And yeah, so no, they're, one, they're one of the best teams in the country at getting points once they correct. get in the red zone. They're like ninety six percent. They've only been stopped okay. once, right, in the red zone, right. But to your point, Vince, those are usually they have fourteen touchdowns this year and and ten. Um, 10 field goals. Right, exactly. That, that's, and that's – they they need to continue. Because, look, yeah. I, I I still think with everything that we said, I still feel like USC is going to get their yards. They're they're, they're going to move the ball a little bit. But if they get into the red zone, you you have to keep them out yeah. of the end zone. If you can this do that, the, you're going to win the yes, game. This is the craziest stat I've ever seen. They're eighth in the country. And I put – when I put – because I made those cards for you mm-hmm. guys for the show. Eighth in the country in red zone offense overall, right. just scoring. Eighth, Right. 96 percent 24 25 they're 86th in touchdown conversion percentage <laughs> right 86th it's such a difference it, it, it really is kind of wild and and notre dame's defense is is kind of similar in that where if you kind of look at notre dame's red zone numbers overall they're not great uh i think let me, let me pull it up here they rank uh 67th overall in red zone um scores allowed 20 to 24 now I think that's a little misleading because there's been at least that I can think of five times where the other team started the drive in the red zone. I, I, at least three for sure. Okay. I think, yeah. I think I'm trying to think like four or five and, or the other team. And for sure there's more than four or five times that the other team has started the ball in Notre Dame territory. That's like a first down away from being in the red zone, but then Notre Dame ranks 10th in touchdowns allowed. They've only given up 10 touchdowns on 24 red zone possessions. There was a drive where USC against Cincinnati started inside Notre Dame's 10 yard line and they held them to a field goal. Right. I mean, Virginia Tech had first and goal at the two yard line and they held them right. to a field goal. Right. You've got to do that, Vince. And your point is absolutely correct. USC is going to move the ball when they get across your field, hold them to three. Yep. That's going to be a big part of this. Game. That's exactly right. And, and and so you can add to that. If you limit limiting the big plays is a big part of that. Cause if you can get into the red zone, then you have more room because this is the fastest defense USC is going to have played this year. There's going to be throws Keaton Slovis thinks he's been able to make all year that he's not going to make if Kyle Hamilton's back there. Yeah, we absolutely correct. Right? Or Cam Hart's back, or, you know, outside. So that's going to be a big key, big key for me. Yeah. Prediction time, yes. Brian. This is well, I got again, to give this... my man JP a little bit of love though. <laughs> Appreciate that JP very much. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Prediction time, Vince. Yeah, we we um, this is where the rubber meets the road, and I don't know. I sent you my prediction earlier today, and I'm I'm sure you saw it. Um, now I, I see it, Vince. I have a card ready to go for. Uh, look at you. I am very confident uh, in in this. But well, you're even more confident than I am. Holy smokies! 
Um, I, I said in my written prediction, and not that I'm giving too much away here, but that I'm not confident enough to put Notre Dame in the 40s just yet, mm-hmm. but I'm confident in the high 30s. And that's how bad I think USC's defense actually is. Yeah. I think Same Notre here. Dame's yeah, Same I think here. Notre Dame is gonna have an opportunity to put some points on the board. And I also don't think that USC is going to find the end zone all that much against Notre Dame. And when they do, it might even be garbage time, to be perfectly honest with you. I, and on top of that, you talked about the fact that Keaton Slovis makes massive mistakes. He, it could be a pick six situation for for Notre Dame, and so mm-hmm. some of these points could come from the defense. And I see that. I see the part of my forty-one, Vince, yeah. is either either special teams or defense is going to either score or set up a score. Uh, if if I thought that that Notre Dame's offense was going to was going to make I'll put it like this. From what I've seen of USC, if I had any confidence that Notre Dame's offensive coaches were going to put together the kind of game plan that I've been begging for all year, I would have picked more than that. Yeah. I would have. This involves the defense also being a part of that. So, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. But yeah. continue. I, no, I, I was tempted to go in the 40s. I really was. I feel very good about this game. I have no qualms, obviously, about Notre Dame losing this game. Um, Could it happen? Sure. I just, of course. Yeah. Notre Dame Look, would have to literally, you know what the bed. Yes. Yeah. Notre Dame can lose any game. I mean, any team can lose any game at this point. I mean, we've, we've seen it. We've seen it enough in college football right. this, this year. Right. I mean, so let's be honest. Notre Dame's a lot closer to being three and three than they are to six and oh. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely not right. Two and four. I mean, yeah. Could have lost four set game. They could have lost the, the Toledo game. They could have lost the Virginia Tech game. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. and uh, But I, I just think that USC is such a mentally weak team as well that they're just going to – if if Notre Dame can go down and put two touchdowns on the board right away and, you know, Notre Dame's defense holds USC out of the end zone, so it's 14 nothing right off the shoot, mm-hmm. I think I think USC folds it up. Like, I don't I, – I, I, I have not been impressed with them in in tough situations. I think the other thing I would say too, Vince, is that's why the first quarter is so important for Notre Dame. Absolutely. Because correct. the exact opposite is also true. Yeah. If you let them hang around, they will then get confidence and it will be a battle for four. Don't quarters. let them believe. Right. I, mean, I don't that- think this game, like, I don't think this game will be like the 2019 game where if Notre Dame jumps out to a big lead, USC rallies back in the second half. I don't either. They Ooh. did that with Drake London as your fourth receiver. I mean, that was a Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown, right. Tyler Vaughn's, Drake London team. Right. Right? I don't think this team is there. If you let them hang around earlier, if you have mistakes that lead to scores or, you know, if it's a 20-17 to 17 game, I'm real nervous in the second half. Sure. If you jump out and you get stops early on defense and you put six and seven on the board on offense, right, then then USC, to me, will will fold. But yes. just – and it's, it's not – that they've they've got a lot of young guys. They've got no head coach, if we're being honest. I mean, Dante Williams is an interim. He's not going to be the next head coach. No, he's already right? got his resume outplay. I mean, th- these right. guys are all looking for jobs. Right. This is this is the kind of game where you've got to come out and bury them. Yes. You know, like like Mike Michael's prediction. You've got to come out and, and bury them. And I think that if Notre Dame, that's kind of why I went 41-24. I feel like this is also like a 41-24 where USC puts one on at the end of the game. Because yeah. they will get their yards. Yeah, but uh, you know, I just feel like this game, this right here, would shock the heck out of me. Yeah, that's too shock low scoring. The heck out of me 
Yeah, that's too low and scoring. Then we, have, we have this one. So those are some of the predictions that we've seen. Uh, Savage, I love this one. I love this one. That'd I would be love phenomenal. That too. I would love that. That'd be that. phenomenal. Yeah. So that to me is my prediction, Vince. I think Notre Dame is going to come out. I think they're going to be balanced. Uh, I think they're going to be good on offense, not great on offense. But I think the defense is going to is going to give some. They're going to give up some plays, and USC is going to get some points. But it, they're also going to force a lot of USC mistakes because this is a USC team that makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah, they are one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to turning the ball over. I mean, you, I know you guys talked about it yesterday in your show. I, I well, I actually didn't listen to that part of it. I had to leave by then, but I believe you did when you yeah. got to the scoring offense. Yep, because you look at the ranking of what USC is and then what Notre Dame is. And you're like, well, okay, that's that's a big difference. Notre Dame's really good at forcing turnovers. USC's really good at turning it over, <laughs> you know? Right. So I think that's going to be a key as well. So that's where I come down on 41-24. Vince is 37-17. We'll see. Actually, so what's funny is you actually are – you think that I'm bold and out there, but you actually have a greater margin of victory I than I do. I do. I have a – yeah, I was just so, thinking that as I was looking at these numbers. Yeah, like yeah. I had four more points than you did, and then you're acting like I just pricked him to score 90. You know? Well, I just Whoa! see the, I just see the four there. Explosion. Yeah, I'm I basically the, predicting yeah. one drive to result in a touchdown, and you think it's going to be a field goal. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, but, uh, you know, could it be more convincing than this? Yes. Could it be closer than this? Yes. It's all going to come down to Notre Dame. Look, this is a game, Vince, to me, that is a – It's this is all about Notre Dame. If you play your game, if you come out with the emotion, the proper, just a good game plan, and, you're, and the players play hard and execute it, this won't be close. Yeah. If you come out like you have in some other games where you're flat, you're not executing, you're doing stupid, stupid penalties or taking away big gains, or you're blow, turning, turning guys loose and letting big plays happen and all those other kind of things, then it'll be a battle, just like every other game has been. Right. right. So this is about Notre Dame. If Notre Dame does, if Notre Dame plays their game. This is going to not be close, and it's going to be a fun, fun night. So hopefully that's the case. But don't forget, if you're coming in town, we are going to have an Irish breakdown tailgate on Saturday. I'm so yes, excited about are. that. Uh, I'm going to try to get out there between noon and one. We're going to be in the Joyce parking lot. I'm going to put, I'm going to tweet out and put on the message board, kind of exactly where we are. So I'll give like a light post number uh, of where we're going to be. So we're not going to have a lot of food because I don't think there's going to be a lot of people there again, to be honest with you, but we will have some food. If you swing by, I'm really looking forward to uh, everybody being a part of it. Uh, Vince is, I think going to try to grace us with his presence at some point in time as well, but, uh, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but I I'm excited about it. So make sure you lock in on at irishbreakdown.com. I'm going to have an article up later about the recruits that are going to be here this weekend. And just kind of my thoughts on, on how important this weekend is. And, uh, you know, more breakdowns. We'll have some game predictions tomorrow. We also do game predictions of other teams. There's some very intriguing matchups this week that we'll have. So you definitely want to check that out. Give us a five-star review if you're listening via podcast. Hit the like button, subscribe button, and the notification bell if you're listening via YouTube or watching via YouTube. Make sure you are you join us. I don't know what happened there, but make sure you join us on the message board. But for Vince, he's up there. I'm Brian. Everybody have a great rest of your day. And we'll be back tomorrow. For I'll be back tomorrow for the Friday mailbag. So everybody have a great, great rest of your day. Talk to you again soon. Sign up for the message board.
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.